All right, everyone. Welcome to Friday's Live Daily Covfefe. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined, as always, by the bad man, Majama, who might be muted. Let me unmute her. Carrie Smith. Hey, Carrie. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you. Um, Hold on. I'm going to pull up the everything so I can see the chat. Working technically. Wow. For Herman's, once. Yeah, Herman's been in chat for a while. He's... he's uh, Let's see. Let's see what he's saying. An active discussion was taking place in the Victoria, BC subreddit about repeat championships of Rachel McKinnon. Oh, <laughs> a mod came in, deleted, and permanently banned the people who posted it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they're little tyrants, Herman. Uh, they don't. They don't need to justify themselves. The king has decreed, "Thou shalt not besmirch the name of Mr. Rachel McKinnon," and. Uh, and that's how it is. That's how it is. So anyway, welcome, everyone. Welcome back from your Halloween extravaganzas. Yes, Diane, Carrie's hat is awesome. Carrie, well, can you. show your hat a little bit more? I, didn't a, make, I could never make anything like this. This is something a, a client gave me years ago. But this is a crochet success, Carrie. I think this is knitted, but I don't know. What up, knitted, um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's cold enough here. Look, Texas has just like, it's like a place of extremes, which is pretty good for me actually, but, um, it's freezing now. So I can justify wearing these hats. <laughs> by freezing, you mean it's down to 50? I mean, there's frost on my truck. Wow. Okay. Like still on my truck. So actually freezing. Yeah. All right. Just checking. <laughs> uh, Excuse me. Well, um, I don't know what to talk about today. I'm hoping that people bring. Some I have a lot of things. So can we just I get know. right into it? I know. Can you just, yeah. Can you just throw them, throw them out? Okay. So throw one, um, Obama, did you see his comments about wokeness? I did. Uh, I did see his comments about wokeness. I haven't seen the requisite backlash that should ensue for his anti-woke comments where where's the hatred of obama i've seen a little bit of it but you're right not not what you would expect if it were someone else i mean i just want to clarify isn't he now literally hitler according to sjw ideology <laughs> he's now white supremacist yeah <laughs> so why don't you can you fill people in on what he said because maybe everyone didn't see it um well why don't i pull it up hold on i thought i had that one pulled up but i don't um, but basically he used the word woke too, but he yep, criticized, yep. Yep. he criticized wokeness. I'll pull up his exact quote so I can read it. But, um, here's, here's what I think is happening. I think that, and there've been a number of signs. I was going to talk about a lot of positive signs today. One is Obama. Um, there've been a lot of positive signs that are making me think that, that finally the tide is turning against this woke SJW religion, this, this racist and sexist ideology. And one of those is Obama saying what he said, because I think he probably sees where this is all headed, not just for the Democratic Party, but for humanity. Um, but the even if that's not the case, the cynical side of me says, even, even if I'm cynical about it, I'd say, well, the tide is turning enough that he feels safe to say this to his devotees. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the fact that, that he feels safe enough to criticize woke culture. That's big. Well, I, you know, I'm also very cynical about Obama because I can't stand Obama's politics or him, but um, I like Obama. I know. Oh, uh, okay. I'm just saying 
yeah. as someone who doesn't like him, I still like what he's saying here. And I yeah. think even if I'm going to be super cynical about it, uh, the, the cynical part of me, ha I, I think this, he's worried about, I think the Democratic, he's worried about the Democratic Party falling. Look, the Democratic Party is a mess right now. The Democratic Party has gone full on woke. And that is not a recipe for success, even in woke America culture, because the percentage of people who are are that, quote, woke is actually not that large. So I think if I'm just going to be cynical about it, I think he sees this as a recipe for implosion of the Democratic Party. And yeah. and he views himself correctly as still a respected leader among Democrats and someone who can speak yes. up. And as you're saying, he, I don't know if he feels the tide is turning, but he certainly feels like he still has enough clout to not be thrown under the bus for doing this. That could be a function both of his clout and how much uh, anxiety there is about saying this, right? Like, or how much protection one would get for saying this. So like, maybe he feels like the mob, the mob's not as rabid now and I have a lot of clout so I can get away with it. Yeah, whatever. I think it's probably a combination of all those things. It's probably... He knows, and he's correct, that he is so revered on the left that he's one of the few people that can criticize it without being called. Remember when Bernie Sanders, after the 2016 election, said he criticized it, and he said we should stop focusing so much on identity politics, and immediately op-eds calling him a white nationalist. <laughs> this, right. this, this Bernie Sanders, what are you right. talking about? But they immediately went after him because he's not as revered in the same way by the establishment left. And, but Obama is. And so I think it's a combination of him knowing that he's in one of the few positions on the left where he can criticize it and not be attacked immediately in the same way. And also, yes, seeing, seeing maybe seeing where it's headed for the party and for just our country in general, maybe he's like woken up to the fact that this is dangerous, that this is not a good belief system. And so I um, here's the here's the article I want to share about it. Uh, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. I by the way I I just <laughs> I know you and I disagree on this. I just want to clarify. I don't think Obama gives a crap about the direction of the country other than Democrats losing power. So I think that's his motivation. But um, okay. but I hear you that you're thinking well, maybe I don't know. I just he cares a, that will be a socialist totalitarian hellhole. Uh, so this is in USA Today by William Cummings. The headline is, that's not bringing about change. Obama advises woke young people not to be so judgmental. Um, by the way, I want to start a hashtag called woke is whack, guys. So let's get that trending. Okay. Woke is whack. <laughs> woke is whack. Um, so former President Barack Obama has a message for the politically woke crowd that has become prolific on social media in recent years. Get over it. Obama called out young progressives for being too ideologically rigid and judgmental during an interview Tuesday moderated by Grownish star Yara Shahidi at the Obama Foundation Summit in Chicago. Quote, What is Grownish, by the way? What is that word? It's in quotes. Oh, it's a TV show. I think it's a TV show, I think. Oh, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, it's it's frivolous pop culture. You you don't, don't <laughs> you don't <Okay>. engage. Okay. The <laughs> <laughs> of purity. Microphone, can you hear me again? Your microphone did get weird. It changed. Uh, okay, now can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Quote, this idea of purity and you're never compromised and you're always politically woke and all that stuff. You should get over that quickly. The two-term Democrat said, quote, the world is messy. There are ambiguities. 
People who do really good stuff have flaws. People who you are fighting may love their kids and share certain things with you, end quote. Obama has said, or said he has particularly noticed the trend on college campuses he has visited with his daughter, Malia. He see, he's no... He's noticing it. He's call, he's he's finally calling attention to all the things that the IDW people have been calling attention to. All the p- things that the supposed, you know, everybody who's been who's been pointing this out, you and I included, have been called Nazis and white nationalists and any number of names, alt right at the very least, which is incorrect. Um, and and he's doing it now. And any other person saying this would be called all of those names right away. But anyway, you know, uh, I. I- He's, he's described Obama, it. You had eight years of the bully pulpit, and this stuff's been going on in college for decades. So I appreciate it's been going on for a while, but you know, I I don't like to chastise people when they're late to the party. <laughs> yeah. I when they no longer have anything to lose and then they're late to the party, like the people who are like, Oh yeah, Epstein. Uh yeah, I knew he was horrible. Like, where were yeah. you for 20 years? Like, yeah, you but you know, that doesn't give people an incentive to come to the party at all if you're going to chastise them when they finally get here. It's like, come on over to the party. We're going to welcome you. Yes. All right, Obama. So let's hear what you got to say. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Keep- so he described it as a quote, danger that is quote, accelerated by social media, end quote. But, but yeah, th- this is all true. We all know this. I'm just happy he's saying it. I'm very happy he's saying it. I don't, my point about not chastising people is also a personal thing because just in your everyday life, you, people do that all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, like when I first wrote my essay over two years ago, the one where I um, talked about like leaving the SJW cult, I had a lot of positive feedback across the board from liberals and conservatives. And it it was really, um, it was really inspiring to know that I wasn't the only one and it was really overwhelming and, and, uh, 99% 99% positive. But then the, every once in a while, there were these conservatives or these people on the right that would post stuff like, yeah, do you think you get a cookie for destroying America <laughs> for 20 years and finally <laughs> waking up to what your ideology is? I'm like, I don't expect a cookie. I do expect you to want people to join your cause, don't you? Like, it's not a, no matter what your cause is, when, if people come over to your way of thinking, um, psychologically, it doesn't matter what your belief is. If, if, if the goal is that you want people to agree with you, you don't smack them when they finally do. <laughs> yeah. You're not I, like, look, and hey, I have, <laughs> I have teased you about having sin to make up for, but I certainly didn't smack you. I, in no, fact, you I, was, well, I think you reached out and was like, awesome. Um, yeah. but, uh, I, yeah, the only, the only caveat I'll say is I have a, I have, I have a tendency, this might just be my own thing, but like, I have a tendency to want to smack people who were in massive positions of power and could have done something about it. And then after they're out of power or like, cause you saw like Obama also did that with marijuana, right? Oh no, no, no. I like, as soon as he left office, yeah, it should be legal. Where the hell were you? You were in the white house for eight years. Like what? Like yeah. Change your mind. As soon as you don't have power is a douchebag move. So well, I have to always take all that stuff with a little bit of a grain of salt. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, you can be cynical and also be accepting and welcoming of people when they do come over to your point of view, no matter if you're cynical about the timing of it or, yes. you know, the circumstances. I do appreciate I'm, you said this. And I yeah. like that there's got a, there's a lot of people who won't pay heed to anything that anyone who's viewed as center right would ever say, but they will listen to Obama. Um, maybe. So that's good. Yes. Um, do you think, can I, I ask you a question, Carrie? Yeah. Um, do you think that the woke 
SJW left, and I I don't mean the zombies. I mean the the leaders. Do you think they will let him get away with this? No. I think that they are trying to decide how to come after him, but they are going to have to be, um, they're going to have to choose their method of attack uh, carefully and the, and the language that they use carefully because they can't just outright say white supremacist Obama. Oh no. Cause then they'll lose, they'll lose the whole ship. Like they, the, the ship loves Obama, like the left loves Obama. So the leaders of the woke ideology, they can't, like, like that would be the ultimate if the if the masses like the NPCs the one we the ones we call NPCs the kind of well intentioned sort of paying attention maybe sort of not you know bought into some SJW ideology but not haven't really examined it though if those people saw Obama being called a white nationalist that would be boom wake up wake up moment <laughs> like what's happening yeah. when I saw yeah. Charles Barkley being called a white nationalist I was like hmm and that's just Charles Barkley. <laughs> But could be, could be. All right. Uh, well, I mean, you've certainly we've certainly seen a lot of Jewish people be called Nazis. So um, that seems to happen. All right. Well, just this will be this will be a developing story. I'm interested to see how the radical left uh, decides to attack Obama. My guess is maybe they will attack him in a very uh, soft, put him out to pasture type of way. Like, oh, he meant well, but he's out of touch now and doesn't understand and. You know, just kind of ignore him and pat him on the head and go to his museum uh, or his library, <laughs> whatever. Uh, um, you know, let's people see. can change. People can change. People can change. And again, like, and it's not, no, but no, but listen, it's not just about him. It's about who's watching. That's why you don't smack people when they come to your party finally. Because then why would anybody else want to come to your party? It's like, no, I'm not going to go to that party where I'm told, yeah, you're finally here, dumbass. You know, like, it's like, you don't go. No, you got to give people incentive for changing. And that doesn't matter if you're talking about a person on the right who, or a conservative who wants a liberal to come over or a liberal who wants a conservative or whatever your opinion is. If you, if you're not, if you're not open for people to join you, well then go off and on your Island and let it drown by its, by yourself. <laughs> like if you're not now, if you're not welcoming symbolic, right there's a there's a yeah. there's a nuance between not believing that obama is sincere and not liking him and giving him not giving him personal points but still appreciating that he's saying it and encouraging right. people to what he's saying which is where i stand i don't right. i don't trust him i don't like him i'm not even sure this is coming from a good place but it's the right thing to say and people should listen to it and i'm glad he's doing it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna attack him for it i'm just not gonna go worship him for it Look, I pushed this ideology for 20 years and I, I wasn't president, but if I had been <laughs> like, you'd hate me just as much as you do him. Like, how could I, when I came around, it's like, I mean, I wouldn't care what you said, honestly. I mean, cause conservatives did say a few conservatives did say that to me, like we're, well, but again, I, you, you didn't actually come over asking for points either. Like, I don't think he's it, asking for points. I think well, he is talking to the left. I didn't say he was asking for points, but like you're saying, I give him points personally. Like, I do. Uh, okay, there's, there's, you got to understand why there's a lot of people who are skeptical about that. That's all because of his history. Like, I believe that you were very sincere. You wrote a very heartfelt, sincere essay. You explained why it was you, um, and then you, and then you worked to like really restructure your entire belief system, which is still in process, but it's clearly very sincere. If Obama continues on this path, maybe we'll start believing that it's a very sincere 
change of heart and like, okay, great. Like I'm open to that. I'm just I not going to jump on the Ob- pro Obama camp right now. You don't have to jump on the pro Obama camp. You just, you just, all I'm saying is in public, people shouldn't be smacking down someone who's doing something positive. That's all. It doesn't, it's counterintuitive. You don't, you don't hope and pray that people start to wake up to what's wrong with woke ideology. And then with a really public figure who has sway with people who you abhor wakes up to it or for whatever reason you can think he's just, it doesn't matter why he's doing it. It doesn't matter why he's doing it. He's doing it. And, and so why smack that down? That's my, I, I, this makes me really angry. Cause then it's like, that you should smack. Okay. I said, I, I said, don't smack it down, but don't worship right. him for it either. Like, oh, I don't worship out on the guy. Who's That's talking about I mean. worshiping him? You're talking about giving him points. He doesn't get well, points. He gets well, neutrality I, for me, I, and the jury's out. The only reason I said that is because somebody in the chat said I'm not giving him points. Why? You brought points into the equation. I didn't know there were points, but if there are, yes, I'll give him some points. All right, relax. No, this is me. Why are we doing the show if we don't want people to come over to our side? <laughs> Everyone wants people to come over to our side, but people are also vigilant for deceivers and people who are using words for their own advantage and don't actually mean it because they can then turn against. If you put, if you put, if you give people points and tomorrow he wakes up and says, I'm wrong. I went to my social justice class and I realized how wrong I am. And you do need to criticize people. You've just given a guy points. So saying the jury's out and you're withholding judgment on his personal character is not slapping anyone publicly. It's just a cautious way of going about this because there are a lot of people who will, there's cults of personality in this country and people will get behind them. You see it with Trump and that's yes. all it is. I don't think it's anything. Well, we're talking about apples and oranges then because I'm not talking about worshiping him. The only reason I brought in points is because somebody else brought it up. Take points off the effing table. Let's just say, can we not just make this whole conversation about who cares that he did it's a positive thing this episode is supposed to be about positive things no one's disagreeing i don't even think anyone <laughs> in the chat is disagreeing with you that it's a positive thing he said it. i agree that it's a positive thing good let's move on I'm, all i said and i think this next one's going to be real said, positive it's <laughs> positive but there's those of us who are going to look at it and go all right well, let's, let's see let's see what he does it's positive good let's see that's all um all right We'll stop arguing. I think Kelly is getting upset by it. Um, <laughs> in chat. All right, Carrie, do you have something else that will make you less mad? That you no, want? You're talk- making me mad. So you pick a new topic while I calm down. <laughs> I'm making you mad. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to pick a topic that you brought up because I don't really know this guy too much. Um, there's this. The, <laughs> like this. Da- da- Daniel says. It sounds like some gr- grumpy pants are still being worn. Yes, Daniel. <laughs> I, I mailed them to Texas, Daniel. <laughs> I borrowing <laughs> my grumpy guys, pants from yesterday. You guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's that hat. It's that damn hat, Carrie. <laughs> Yo, this hat was supposed to make me in a good mood today. <laughs> uh, sorry, everyone. But some, look, we're people. We have, Carrie had a whole conversation with me earlier. Uh, about my my grumpy reaction oh uh, yes so. we already had a talk about grumpiness <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you know we're all we're all human we have reactions um look uh newsflash carter makes me mad sometimes and i probably i know i make carter mad sometimes <laughs> so uh, yes yes better usually you make me mad uh 
at the wrong times because you're late. Hey, again, <laughs> I'm late to every party, okay? I know. I, I know. You are that you're consistent, Carrie. You're consistent. Um, yes, yarn hats. Actually, can we blame Maria Tuscan for this outrage somehow? Is it the fact that you're you have a hat made out of yarn by presumably because yarn was involved, <laughs> the white supremacy was involved? Um, because I heard that there's a bunch of Nazis over there in the yarn community. Uh, so, all right. Um, anyway, the Sabo dude, he's like, a, I guess he's he like a conservative street artist. What's some, what's some stuff he's done, Carrie? Should I look up some pictures? Oh my gosh. Yeah, he's awesome. I mean, I, I'm, I like him because when I first discovered him again, I was late to the Sabo party. <laughs> um, uh, I guess Sabo, sorry. Sabo, Sabo, I don't know. Conservatives knew who he was, but I was late to learn. And um, he, what I liked about him was that you don't see a lot of, or at least maybe you're starting to see more of it, but you didn't see, used to see a lot of conservative street art and like guerrilla street art. But now that it's almost like conservative is the counterculture, you're starting to see more of it. And he, he's definitely counterculture. He's based in LA. He does a lot of billboards. Like he's the one that replaced all of the Google, um, the Google ads on, um, bus benches with gulag but it was in the same font so it was really subtle okay, okay um he has just done he's done posters on the sides of buildings he's done stuff about harvey weinstein um he came to he came to austin he came to texas and did some stuff about beto he looks like he does anti-silicon valley stuff too like hey silicon valley i made 380 million dollars dollars off my users private data ask me how right and it's sundar chai from google Anti-Facebook stuff. There's Anthony Weiner and Adam Schiff. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Some Rolling Stone thing about rape fantasies. Oh, wait. He did a really funny one about Ted Cruz. That was like a positive one where um, he like made Ted Cruz into this gangster. And it's like, you know, wanted four more years in the Senate. And um, he, he's like punk rock, but conservative. Like, look at that one, Bernie. I love this. Free shit. Why get a job when my IRS will steal the money for for you? <laughs> All right, so I'm liking the guy a little bit. This is good. Like he's he is. Ooh, uh, knew, this is a good one. Look, he's got a picture of Hillary with Harvey Weinstein. She knew. No, it's Meryl Streep. But yeah, oh, sorry. yeah, yeah. He so he's very critical of mainstream culture, which is currently woke and left and. Right. Okay. Um, and so they've yeah they've banned him from PayPal, but he's just joining a list of wrong thinkers that they've banned from PayPal. Um, they've banned off the top of my head because I, I wrote this list down the other day. Uh, they've banned Milo. They banned Laura Loomer, uh, Gavin McGinnis, the Proud Boys, Joe Biggs. Uh, they banned, oh, some websites. They banned Gab, the Twitter alternative. They Wait, banned, banned Gab? PayPal has banned all these people. They banned- uh, PayPal still banned Gab. I thought they solved that. It's oh, they did? I, I don't thought, know. I thought right. they were permaband. They uh, uh, they are working with the Southern Poverty Law Center, which, if people don't know, has lost its way completely at this point. I consider it a hate group itself. They are yeah. working with the Southern Poverty Law Center to identify hate groups and hate people, you know, and and they're banning those people. And so, yeah, Sabo, they've not only banned him from PayPal, they're holding his current funds, the money that is his, they're holding it for six months. Six months is a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. So it's not just not just Mikey. 
<laughs> yeah, all these sites are starting to ban people, Boston Mama. It's the the weird thing is that um it's almost like it's become so commonplace it's it's not big news anymore and people people don't really talk yeah. about it. It's like it but it keeps happening in the background. There's more people banned from more sites all the time. Yeah, so Andrew Thompson's bringing up something and thank you for reminding me. You're right, Andrew. I have heard this before. It's um PayPal has been banning people at the behest. I had heard uh, just of credit card companies or the the processors. I don't know if it was um, Mastercard, but he's saying at the behest of Mastercard. I have I have heard that. I think Patreon was also banning people because of uh, it was at the behest of um, you know these credit companies. And look, there's only what Mastercard, American Express, or the or sorry, Mastercard and Visa are the two big ones. And then you've got maybe American Express and Discover kind of, but we're, it's a, it's not a monopoly, but it's almost a duopoly. And so if those two companies get woke, um, they can do a lot of damage. And I think they are getting woke. So they can do a hell of a lot of damage. And someone mentioned, I thought uh, Bank of America was involved. We have started to see uh, banks. I think Chase Bank was doing some stuff like this. Um, there, There's banks now talking about banning uh, people who sell firearms or like firearms manufacturers from having accounts like there's a lot of uh oddly enough for people who are by and large these people are leftist socialists even the banks they want some sort of like oligarchy maybe if they're banks but like they're authoritarians oddly enough they're able to use free market solutions of ostracism to manipulate society pretty damn well uh without government help so yeah, this is why fighting the culture war is more and fighting more important than uh, just focusing on politics. Because laws don't stop Chase Bank from dropping someone or from Mastercard putting pressure on someone to. Uh, they just have to flag it as a high risk account for some reason and say that this needs to happen. And um, there's not a lot you can do about it. Uh, but uh, Az Gardner says people are bringing litigation against them, which is which is good, I guess. But yeah, I think that your Carter, your uh, point that it's fraud to say that you're an open platform for everyone, equal for everyone, and then to start censoring people. I think that's a good, I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I have no idea, but I think that's a good way to fight it. I'm not a lawyer either, but from, from a, as a person who's completely free market focused, um, for me, the, that's the moral argument, right? It's the it's not, I can't, I can't rightly make a moral argument that a business shouldn't be like that. Facebook shouldn't be allowed to censor or Twitter shouldn't be allowed to censor on their own platform. I might not like it, but I can't make an argument that they shouldn't be allowed to do it um, from and, and, and be and have moral integrity. But I can make an argument, which I think is effective, that they would not be in the position to do it had they not lied about what they were doing in the first place. And that's fraud, right? That's, that's fraudulent. That's false advertising. And that's how they got, that's how they got into this. And the only reason Twitter has the power to ban Mike Harlow, the only reason PayPal or Patreon or any of these people have the power to ban people like Sabo is because they told everyone at the beginning, use our platform, it's open and free, where, you know, we don't take sides, where we support freedom of expression and free speech, anyone can do it. Um, and then they, once they got critical mass, and critical mass is important because you can lock out critical masses is, is a huge impediment to com competition. So once they got into the place where they are less threatened by competition because they're the 
the big to the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Then they, they, the mask comes off and it turns out they lied the whole time. And that I think is immoral. And I would hope, I would hope it's uh, fraudulent legally, but I don't, I'm not a lawyer. So. Um. Well, I have something else encouraging to show you. Hopefully it won't devolve into me yelling at you again. It could, that could be fun. <laughs> Okay, hold on. <laughs> uh, okay. I strive to be immune from getting yelled at. So, yeah. Can, well, and also person. the thing is, uh, Carter and I have sometimes arguments off camera too. Uh, when I'm, when you're talking with someone who you don't trust, who's not like a friend, it's, I find it much more important to rein in my emotions because then you want to keep it calm and civil. Carrie knows I love her. And yeah, with Carter have this and it's fine. And you know, <laughs> there might be a tearful phone call later. But it's just... <laughs> uh, okay. Hold on. All right. What are you going to uh, bring? Bring it on, Carrie, bring it on. Encouraging. Don't you dare poo on this parade. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Um, here it is. Okay. So I don't know if you guys saw this, but Douglas Murray, who's the guy who wrote the madness of crowds, which is a book that just came out and is all about this ideology. And I really hope we do it next. I think we should do it form. next. Cause I really, yeah. Yes. Well, it's still current. It. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, he's been doing the interview circuit and whatever. So he went on the BBC and, and much like a lot of these, like the TV news, the blue cathedral crap, it's not in depth. It's not thoughtful. They bring on two people who are going to fight, you know, and then they have the talking heads who inevitably are on the woke left side. That's they, they bring the SJW bingo card with them. <laughs> yeah, they do. They bring the card with them. And so he was on um, and he was he was on with this professor, uh, Kahende Andrews, who's a woke SJW professor. And uh, the but but they barely got to talk. According to Douglas Murray, Douglas Murray wrote a piece all about what happened on the, on the program, and it was about how the host just jumped in and started attacking him in a really intellectually dishonest way and pulling quotes out of context. And so the whole interview became about something else and and having to defend some stupid out of context thing instead of being about what it was supposed to be about. Huh, and right. so th this is what he so he he wrote an essay about it, right? You one time ate at Chick Fil A. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So then Kahende Andrews, the guy he was on with, um, presumably to debate him, uh, he this is his response. This is how a professor in, in the woke culture responds to a thoughtful essay. He says, white men really don't like it when their formerly safe spaces are invaded with reasonable questions. Douglas Murray providing a case study in white fragility whilst demonstrating all the symptoms of the psychosis of whiteness. By the way, this guy, the, this professor has written papers on the, quote, psychosis of whiteness. That's what he's known for. But anyway, so what I like about this and why I think this is encouraging is Douglas Murray immediately and calmly points out how racist this is. Every insult there is tied to his race. There's nothing in, in that tweet that has any substance to it. He's not saying anything. He's just slinging racist insults. And so I like that Douglas Murray is just on his face, like, uh, okay, white men, white fragility, psychosis of whiteness. A British university professor shows us how anti-racist can become racist. And I yeah. thought that was really positive. I feel like the tide, again, maybe it just, maybe I'm just. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to poo on this one. It's good. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think people are starting to see it and, uh, you know, Carrie, maybe, okay. I'm white, so I can't, uh, I can't, I don't speak for all white people. Um, <laughs> so I fight white people who, who are racist. If you are a person of color, this professor is purporting to represent you and, um, it's pretty insulting. So you might want to let them know you don't represent me. I'm not a racist. <laughs> I'm not, this isn't how I think it's not about white versus people of color. That's not, that's not how we debate in, well, it is, but it's not how we should debate in civilized society. It's not how we debate. Um, Carrie, you're reminding me of something else, which I don't have, I don't have the thing with me, but I, uh, let's see, do I have it? I, okay. I have the YouTube video, but I can't, I can't play it because my sound actually busted on this right now on my other computer. But did you see Michael Moreno? Or Moreno? Do you remember who Michael Moreno was? He was that high school student, that debating team high school student who got famous. Um, I forget exactly why, but he was attacked for being white. Maybe he was told that his arguments were invalid because he was no, white. I don't. I don't remember this. The name sounds familiar, but I don't remember it. Yeah, I, in fact, I think I reached out to him a while ago, but he never responded. Uh, I don't. Th I don't know if I had a proper channel to get to him. Maybe I'll try again. But um, he's now in college. He's gone on to college, <laughs> uh, as as one does from high school. And he's, uh, he's really articulate, and he has a video out titled Racist Professor Recorded Teaching Anti-White Curriculum. So he is- Oh, I saw this. Can we play he, it? Uh, I don't know. Do you have it? So I, I can't, my sound, I have, I play things from one computer and it goes to the other, but the sound died. Everything's falling apart in my life, but um, everything technical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> clear about that my wife's gonna <laughs> yeah everything's falling apart no just just my computers um but he this rate this professor is his debate professor and he explains at the beginning of the video that the michael explains at the beginning of the video and they're supposed to be talking about uh debating like space race issues like should the u.s collaborate with russia and blah blah like it's he's supposed to be talking about that but this professor, the stuff this professor says is, I, I, I couldn't believe it was a professor, honestly. So let me just, he says, our argument will be, this is the, this is the professor of debate at, I don't know what university, but it's a real university. Okay. Our argument will be that space is not real. Space is not real. It's not real. Science, technology, it's all fake. I'm, I'm reading. It's a projection of white fantasies that has worked to control our interpretation of how the world works. None of us have had the privilege of going to fucking space. This is his words to verify that there's these stars and these galaxies and these planets and things like that. Does that make sense? So this is the professor. Wait, what's what's wrong with that? I'm kidding. <laughs> it's the hat with you uh this That's is kind of mood. it's kind of crazy yeah so so obviously he gets challenged this michael challenges him and it's really interesting because michael will be like well you say it's this whiteness thing like what about all the black astronauts that have been to space <laughs> and he's like there's 14 he's like how do you know there's 14 and he's like well i don't know i just looked on wikipedia and the professor's like then he genetic fallacies him wikipedia it's a source and so like uh, okay, so the Michael's like, well, 
So you're saying that they haven't been to space? Wait, like I'm trying to find can non you pause, Can you what? pause for a second? This is a debate professor. I think I missed that part the, when I yeah, was this a debate professor. Okay, so a debate professor is engaging in genetic fallacy. Oh, I mean, he's in, he's engaging in every kind of stolen concept, genetic fallacy, ad hominem, like everything. Um, it's like the guy, should, maybe it's a debate professor who wants to show all the things that shouldn't count in debate. Like, here's all the fallacies in one argument, <laughs> um, which would be brilliant, by the way. Uh, so maybe he's brilliant and that's just what this is. And he's going to reveal at the end of the semester, I just trolled all of you. These were all, <laughs> this is total bullshit. But yeah, so he... So, so Michael's like, well, what about the black astronauts have been to space? And he's like, well, how do you know they've been to space? And he like does a Wikipedia. Well, Wikipedia says 14 of them have actually been to space. And, and he's like, uh, <laughs> he argues like, first of all, he genetic fallacies him on Wikipedia. And so then he's like, well, I'm sure there's other sources that I could find that, you know, I'm sure I could find interviews with these people talking about their experience in, in space. Like, and so then the guy dismisses all experience and his argument literally, and this is fascinating to me from an epistemological perspective, his argument is literally, if I haven't experienced it, it does not exist, which by the way is called solipsism, kind of. It's a it's kind of like solipsism philosophically. <laughs> um, but if, if I have experienced, if I haven't experienced it, it doesn't exist. So, so Michael says like, well, I didn't experience slavery. So. Can oh I my gosh. That's hilarious. And what did the professor say? I didn't get that far. The professor said, yes. Yeah, you could say that. Like, you're allowed to say that, but like, sure. If you didn't experience it, it doesn't exist. And so he, wow. he goes out and, and he brings up Paris. I've never been to Paris. So does that mean Paris doesn't exist? And he's like, yes. Like, well, like, so this is the, this is their mentality. And it's funny to me because one thing that I don't, I didn't watch the whole video, but one thing that I don't, think Michael pointed out, maybe he did at the end of the video. Why debate? There's no point in having to debate. If there is no way to use other people's experiences and talk about objective reality, then there's no point in having a debate. So there's here's this is a debate professor who has undermined the very concept of there ever being a debate because the only things it's the only things that are real are what I see in front of me. And what I experience, and of course, he goes into whiteness crap, and like space is all about whiteness, and the black astronauts are perpetuating whiteness, and blah blah blah, and it's all. So if I've never seen whiteness, <laughs> it doesn't exist, Carrie. It's not whiteness. Isn't something I can touch or taste. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, it's really I, I don't know. I found it really uh, fascinating. I'll post the link. I mean, I'll post the link in case people want to watch it. Um, it's uh, it's long. It's like 40, 42 minutes long. But even if you just watch the first few minutes, it's a it's a worth it's a worth watching. Uh, there, I just posted the link in chat. There was going to be an so Alvis asks if there's going to be an episode about horrible debate content. Yeah, we just haven't gotten around to actually doing the work uh, <laughs> to have that episode. But it's I have it on the post-it right over here. Um, it's on it's on our list. And yes, you can mock me for using post-its. Uh, so. So uh, I have another thing we can talk about if you don't. No, please do. Please, please. Is it going to no. be something that I can throw a wet blanket on and get you angry about? Wait a minute. Let me look at my list of encouraging things. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> These are a few of my encouraging things. <laughs> um, oh, well, the Ricky Gervais tweet. I Ricky don't Gervais is good. 
What is that? He's he's great because he was one of the first comics, he and Dave Chappelle, to start pushing back against woke ideology, which, so those of you in the knitting world, you know how this has taken over your community and it, it, there was this, this whole all-out war. Well, that happened in the comedy world too. And so um, like a lot of the comedians became SJWs and they became like thought police for other comedians, which is insane. But if you think about it, because co- comedy is supposed to be all about freedom of expression and breaking down taboos and nothing's off limits. And, 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 and comedy, I think some of the best comedy is when you take tragedy and you make it funny, like, like uh, the show that I used to produce uh, totally biased. We hit, I was an SJW then. So I was on what I now consider the wrong side of this issue, but we had an episode about whether uh, rape jokes were okay. And the SJW thrust of the show was that rape isn't funny. And it's like, well, yeah, rape. Now I look at it, I'm like, rape isn't funny, but that's why if you can take rape and make a joke out of it, make people laugh at something horrible, you've spun something, you've spun gold out of something tragic. And that's, that's the best, most, the most, only the most talented comedians I think can do that. And to say it's off limits and you can't do jokes about anything tragic or horrible is, is ridiculous. But anyway, and by so, the way, it's also demonstrably false because you can do jokes about it. And if people laugh, they're successful jokes. So therefore, you can do jokes about it. Therefore, it's you can awful. do Yeah, it doesn't mean that. I mean, sure, there are rape jokes I've heard that are awful and not funny at all. But I've also heard some that are really funny. And I know I know rape survivors who said, you know, joking and dark humor is what got them through it, joking about their rape. And I know that to be true about dark things in my own life. So it's like, that's what humor is for. Um, but anyway... So a lot of comedians and a lot of comedy clubs and a lot of the bookers at comedy clubs became SJW and Ricky Gervais. There's like a limited number of them, but some of the first ones to start pushing back against it were Ricky Gervais and Dave Chappelle. And Ricky's just gotten more emboldened. Again, I think this is encouraging because I think things are the tide is turning. And so he tweeted, do you guys remember um, Jessica Yanev? How could you forget? Right, John? Jonathan Yanev. Yes. Here, let me bring this up. Um, not a picture of Yanev, because I don't know if I, it's early in the morning for me. Well, it is a picture of Yanev. Right, well, he's done know. two. I can feel. <laughs> he's done two tweets that I like. I'll show both. Um, let's see. This is the first one. I'm sorry, guys. We're, we're this is live. I should already have this pulled up. So, not like on the. <laughs> yeah. See, Boston Mama, I'm with you. A Yanev photo. I don't know if I'm ready for a Yenev photo right now, but Harry's going there. <laughs> okay, let me show you the other one then. You can show both. It's fine. Oh no. I don't know if I can find it after all that build up. Should I start looking? Yeah. So the one I, the her? one without the photo, the one without the photo is this one. Uh here we go. This is him after he did. So basically he shared a Yana photo and he made this joke about how he was going to go for Halloween as this stunning, brave woman. (laughs) (laughs) And of course people were outraged, you know, that he was making fun of of him. I refuse to call Yana her. But um, so then he says, look, I don't try to offend, but the more people are offended by a joke, particularly on Twitter, the funnier I find it. And the angrier the tweet, the more chance of me using it and turning it into laughs and cash. PC culture. Have, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I found it. 
<laughs> oh, you found it. PC culture isn't killing comedy. It's driving it as it always did. And that that made me feel really encouraged because for a while now, it's felt like PC culture has been killing comedy. But I always I always knew there was going to be a turn at some point because comedy, like everything, there's it, it, things ebb and flow. And so the fact that this became dominant, it, it, it doesn't mean it's it, people in entertainment and in comedy and, you know, all forms of it, they're always looking for the next thing. Like when they sell, when you sell a show, you're always pitching it on the back of, uh, you're either pitching something brand new and revolutionary, or you're pitching something that's like something that was just now brand new and revolutionary. So, so the woke thing is like dying. There's something new coming. And I think it's going to be this criticizing wokeness is going to be let's, what's let's funny. Hope. So here's his tweet, which was funny. Uh, so <laughs> this is Jonathan Yaniff. And Gervais says, I was going to dress up as something weird and creepy for my Halloween party, but I'm bucking the trend this year and I'm going to, as a brave female activist, Jan Jessica Yaniff. This also means I don't have to wax my big old hairy balls. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People got so mad. <laughs> Gervais gets points for that if we're handing out points today. Okay, yeah, if we're going to hand out points, can we all agree on that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, let's see, hold on, someone just. <laughs> someone just sent me, I gotta carry, speaking what? of humor, I love the Babylon Bee. They are so spot on lately. Someone literally just during the show sent me this. Media scrambles to fact check <laughs> image of Trump riding a hero dog into a massive space battle. <laughs> 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 This is, this, is, this is another great example of like, like we were talking about Sabo, the street artist who's conservative and was banned. So when the culture changes, then necessarily what happens is what, what is counterculture changes. And so when woke culture became dominant and became culture, became dominant culture, then you started to see a, a new counterculture rise. And so the onion, which used to be counterculture is now totally part of the woke. Every once in a while, they have what a piece that nails it, but most, for the most part, I know some of their writers, they're woke writers. And then you've got the Babylon Bee, which is run by Christians, <laughs> like conservatives. And they, and they rise up and they're like, the, they're funniest satire going right now because they're counterculture, they're counter to all of this. And, and they also, I think they're also good because they take shots at themselves too. They have just as many articles making fun of Christians as they do making fun of woke culture. Um, they're equal they opportunity. Do. Yeah, they do. And someone in chat says, I'm an atheist and I love the bee. Uh, same here, man. Uh, it's, it's hilarious. You don't have to be Christian to love the Babylon bee. Uh, oh yeah. So in chat, Elizabeth says, I'm a hospice nurse. My humor is too dark for most. It's either laugh or go crazy. Yeah. That's what good humor. That's what dark humor is for. I mean, I know, I know some cops who that's like, they have very, a very dark sense of humor because of what their job is. You know, you have to, especially if you're around trauma all the time, you have to be able to um, spin some of that into levity. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So see, I didn't, uh, I didn't wet blanket any of this so far. We're doing, we're doing well. <laughs> Again, I do, I do always, uh, I, I struggle with feeling guilt after I, ha after I have emotions. So I'm feeling really bad that I yelled at Carter. You should not. So this is the thing. I like you feel worse than I do. Like you feel like overly bad about conflict. I do. I don't, conflict is fine with me. That's fine. It doesn't. We can, you know. 
we can hate on each other and go out for a beer virtually. Oh, I know. It's fine. But... Well, <laughs> what else you got, Carrie? You got anything else in your knapsack of Carrie privilege? Uh... I've got something, this isn't in my encouraging list. It's just something that, that happened. There's so much stuff that happened this week for some reason, but um, did you see the Katie Hill stuff? Ah, I have a an opinion that differed from most people on the Katie Hill thing. So oh, I have a somewhat of a nuanced opinion too. Well, um, let's, fact, let's I, catch, catch people up on what it's about first. Okay. And, and by the way, when I, when I, my opinion may be a week old because, um, my opinion was in reaction to the original photo. So, uh, oh, okay, yeah, stuff, more stuff's happened, but go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, so I, so I may change my opinion on it if there's there's new information, and I I sense that there is. But so Katie Hill is a representative from California, of U, uh, U.S. Congress woman, uh, representative from I think southern somewhere in Southern California, and uh, she, I despise her politics. So just to just be clear, who we are, you know, it's kind of woke Democrat, uh, <clears throat> everything wrong. I think actually she was invited to be part of the squad recently. Or I, that's what I heard, right? So that kind of politics. So don't have any like for the woman's politics at all. But uh, I think it was Daily Mail or some some magazine. I think it was the Daily Mail. Someone posted a uh, an article about how she had been having um, – I guess non-standard sexual relationships. And what I mean by that is like something other than just having sex with her husband. She was, uh, I guess there was a naked picture of her combing someone's hair, like a staffer's hair, but campaign staffer's hair. And there was a naked picture of her smoking pot and with a tattoo of the Iron Cross tattoo, which they described as a Nazi era tattoo, which is ridiculous. Like we've all got Nazi era grandparents. That doesn't mean they're Nazis. So like the, the Iron Cross is not a Nazi symbol. So you had an Iron Cross tattoo. Um, and they're to be clear, they, though, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the reason that they highlighted her Iron Cross tattoo was because of her hypocrisy in previously pointing out the Iron Cross that on someone else's associated with someone else and using that as evidence that they were. Yeah, I'm not sure. I thought she had, I'm not sure because I'm, there's a version of the Iron Cross that is specifically Nazi because it has a swastika in the middle of it. And I thought that's what she was pointing out, but I'm not sure. Maybe she wasn't. It doesn't, doesn't matter. So the hypocrisy I get. Okay, that's fine. So Iron Cross, um, picture of her naked smoking pot, um, another, some other pictures of her naked. And apparently uh, it came out that she was like in an open relationship and her, like, she dated a couple different people and her, like her husband knew about this and this was, this was their sexual staffers though, her whatever. staffers. Um, one of them was a campaign staffer. One of them, one of them wasn't, I guess there was also on some websites about stuff. Anyway, uh, my immediate reaction was, and this is before I knew. So I think more has come out maybe which you're kind of referring to that. Like, actually there's maybe more like stuff going on with not just campaign staffers, but also like, congressional staffers and like more like some abuse of power stuff. This is before I saw a lot of the abuse of power stuff. This was just like, let's shame her for her sex life. Um, and I know a lot of people might disagree with me in chat about this and that's, that's fine. Um, I, I really, I don't want to see pictures of her. I don't care about what her sex life is. If she's having consensual sex with other adults, I don't think it's any of our business. I don't think it's a reason to care. Um, 
I hate her politics enough that those are the arguments I would like to take her down on, not your bisexual or whatever it is that she's doing. Like the fact that she's having sex that makes some people raise an eyebrow isn't, I don't think people's sex lives are anyone else's business, but their own. So as long as it's consensual, uh, I don't, I, I'm, I don't like that. That's how they were going after her. There's plenty of reasons to go after her politics, her ideology, stuff she's done. Now that said, new information, at least new to me, information is kind of coming out. And maybe you can get me up to speed, Carrie. Like, was there like abuse of power allegations or something else she was doing that wasn't just consensual sex with adults? Yes, because it was all about the fact that it's with staffers. So she's the first after the Me Too era. She's the it just so happens that the first congressperson to be investigated for abuse of power is a woman. And so she there, here's why I feel it's nuanced. Is this is this revenge porn? Yes. I don't I mean, like revenge. I don't yeah. like revenge porn where did, yeah, she put these nude photos out there. Uh, some of the ones she uploaded, she and her husband uploaded to sites. So and it, I totally get that she put it out there, but it's, it's still revenge porn for your your former lover or husband to take nude photos of you and disseminate them to the public in this way without your consent. And, and so that I think is wrong, but what's happening now is she's pretending to be a victim. She's pretending to be um, she's using the fact that she's a woman and she's using the revenge porn aspect to pretend as if she has no responsibility in this whatsoever. And as if she wasn't, um, as, as if it had nothing to do with the fact that two of these people she was having affairs with were uh, staffers. It was a female staffer and then it was, and then her male staffer, the finance director. And so that's, that's the part that I didn't really understand. Right. But, okay. And so there's only two staff members that we know about so far, but there's speculation that the reason she stepped down was because there was a lot more stuff that was going to come out. Who knows? And so she's stepping down to avoid the inquiry and to avoid, and, but in stepping down, she's also taken this coward's way out. She's given two speeches now where she's made it all about being the victim here. And, right. and, and the language she's using is usually like, we will fight back and we will, you know, and, and this is misogynistic and this is this and that. It's not misogynistic. I, I looked up because I don't know if you guys remember, but here in Texas, uh, we had Representative Joe Barton, who in November 2007, so two years ago, 2017, uh, somebody leaked revenge porn photos of him to the press and yep. it was equally disturbing. It was nude photo of him and some text messages. And he was, he says he was separated from his wife it, and that it happened right before the divorce was final, but who cares? He was still married and, and he was cheating with multiple women and, um, and he had these photos out there and somebody leaked them and he stepped down. Uh, he, he did, well, he just, he was going to run again and then he decided not to seek reelection so essentially, he also pulled himself out of the picture because he didn't want continued, um, you know, harassment about it. But in his case, those women were not staffers, and and he still took he still took the same out that she did. And so, that she did. so to pretend like this is about her being a woman, it's not. the The only the only way that it's about her being a woman, in my opinion, is that because she's a woman, she gets to use this misogyny shield, and. If, if she were a man, she couldn't go out there and be like, this is targeted harassment because I'm a man, <laughs> you right. know? So I, I, there's a caveat to the story you just said. I want to clarify my position on it. Um, I do think that consensual sex between adults is not any of our business, even for our elected officials. However, um, 
when it's deceitful consent, when it's deceitful sex, like if someone's cheating, that's, that's actually information about their character that I care about. Like I, I don't care if Katie and her husband were in an open relationship. I do care if she was cheating. There's well, a different so, thing to me. Um, well, just to catch you up from the facts that I've read, they were in an open relationship with the female staffer. And, but she was cheating on her husband and the female staffer with the male staffer for oh, like okay. five, for like okay, five so. years. <laughs> it's dirtier than I thought. There's more, more dirt there than I thought. But so this is the thing also. I, I did hear her say um, something to the effect of, well, men have, you know, she pulling the woman car, like you're saying, the victim, you know, misogyny, blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, men just men in Congress just you know they have this stuff happen and it just blows over for them. They don't have to resign. They they just ride it out, and in a few weeks everyone forgets. But I have to resign, and my reaction to that is, no, you don't. You're you're welcome to wait a few weeks and see if it blows over. If you think it will blow over in a few weeks, go ahead, right? But she's acting like she's being forced to resign. No one's forcing her to resign. If she really didn't do anything wrong, and this is just revenge porn and illicit photos, then she can wait. And then after after some period of time, if it doesn't blow over and she's still being, quote, slut-shamed by revenge porn people and wants to make that the the issue, then she can. But I don't think I don't think that would happen. I think she's not fighting it. So she's she's taking a dishonest, cowardly route in terms of how she's now talking about it and trying to paint herself right. as a victim. And a lot of the feminist uh, uh, mainstream press is doing like Jessica Valenti, like these famous SJW journalists, journalists are, um, are also printing pieces now, like the blue cathedrals come out in support of her and are, they're all trying to paint her as a victim. But look at this before she stepped down. This is why she stepped down headline. This is a ethics committee opens probe into representative Katie Hill over alleged affair with congressional staffer. So representative Katie Hill, democratic California is under investigation by the house ethics committee for allegedly having an affair with a congressional staffer, which would be a violation of the house code of ethics. And so she doesn't. That's where it matters. If it's a staffer, like suddenly there's something that's like, that is our business. Yes. And so uh, according to the House of Representatives Code of Official Conduct, a member, delegate, or resident commissioner may not engage in a sexual relationship with any employee of the House who works under the supervision of the member, delegate, or resident commissioner, or who is an employee of a committee. So she was, she was having an affair with at least two of her staffers, and they opened a probe into it, and she stepped down to avoid the probe, to avoid right. the investigation. <laughs> exactly. And so just be honest about that. Don't don't then do. You guys should go watch her videos because. I like to watch people when they're be living and when they're when you can tell they're lying. That's why I like to watch police interrogation videos because <laughs> you know they're lying. Because <laughs> I like to see all the ticks and stuff. It's fascinating human nature and the, all the tells and and all, and also I don't know because I just I, I want I, I'm interested in how human beings lie to themselves. And so she, here's a woman who's up there, in my opinion choosing to live in dishonesty like she could have easily when she first stepped down it could have been a brutally honest moment for her where she goes forward and changes her life and lives in it and tries to live in integrity but instead she's taking she's stepping down and then trying to take this coward e easy way out and be like but i'm the victim here i stepped down because you know i was targeted and <laughs> it's like dude take some responsibility for your part in it at least yes i think i think whoever leaked those photos is shameful i think 
that's yeah. between with her husband, I believe, but, right? I don't know, but yeah, I think it was her because they're getting a divorce. I think it was her husband. Um, but I I just looked up Carrie. Unfortunately, you and I have our, our one of our favorite YouTubers, Body Language Ghost, has not made a video about Katie Hill. But that would be that would be a good video to see from Body Language Ghost. Uh, oh yeah, if you guys haven't seen that channel, uh, this is a channel I used to watch. I I think I turned Carter onto it. it Body yeah. Language Ghost, yeah, she's cool because she uh, she watches videos and just does commentary on what the body language is revealing, and she's kind of funny about it too. And so it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. But so, okay, so I you know my position on on Katie Hill has has altered slightly because uh, now now with more information, but um, you know I I did. I intentionally, I thought about not saying anything about it when it came out, but I intentionally pushed back on the uh, salacious clickbait as a way of taking her down because I don't think that's the right way to take people down. And if there are, if there are real things that she's done, which it sounds like there are, then fine, we can hold her accountable for those. And but it's her politics. I want to, I want to have the integrity to say we're focusing on her politics, not on and her integrity, not on who she has sex with um, consensually. That's not, that's not. Something yeah. That's she, but that's what she's trying to make it about now. Um, the, the other thing was that she was one of the people who was uh, leading this whole thing against Kavanaugh and there's photos of her with like, you know, they'll all like, she's kind of a hypocrite. Right. right. So again, this is the projection thing, right? You're, you're going to abuse your power for sexual favors. What are you doing? Oh, Oh, you're, oh, you're abusing your power for sex. Oh, okay. That's what it is. It's more of that projection. Uh, all right. What else do we got? Anything else, Carrie? Or is that, is that, is that good for the day? You're not, we can't hear you. Maybe other people can. I cannot hear you. Oh, sorry. I was m muted. Um, I was just going to say, is there anything anybody in the chat wants to talk about? I wasn't looking at the chat for a little bit, so I may miss some questions. Yeah, Sorry. I kind of want to sit and read the chat because um, <laughs> if there's stuff you guys want us to talk about. Uh, yeah. There's also body language dialogue. I don't know that one, which is good because Ghost seems to be keeping more of her work behind a paywall now on Patreon. I've noticed that Ghost is doing a lot of that. Um, some of her stuff is is not on YouTube. A lot of it is. Some of it is, but yeah. Um, uh, somebody says earlier when we were talking about comedians. Mm-hmm. Alvis says Sarah Silverman was so strange going from her TV show to an SJW. Yeah. A lot of them did though. And uh, you know, we had her on totally biased where she basically kissed the ring of my former client, Kamal Bell, because, because uh, she had done this joke on, I think it was Conan uh, years earlier where uh, she used uh, a slur and in, but in the context of the joke, it was really funny. Like it made sense to use it. And then anyway, he wrote before, before he had a TV show or anything, he wrote this blog about how it was like Sarah Silverman is a racist where he was like condemning her back before SJW ideology had taken over comedy. He wrote this and then it took over comedy. And then, you know, we got the late night show that he was hosting that, that I consider to be the first SJW late night show. That's the ideology was more important than the laughs. And, um, and so anyway, we did an episode where she came on and they kind of like made peace. They made peace because 
she was had become SJW. It's like you have to just like in the knitting world, you see people who at first are are not SJW, and then the more pressure that builds, then they're suddenly speaking the same language, and it happens anywhere. It, it can happen in any enclosed uh, community or organization or company or church. I know a lot of people in the chat is a subject that I'm really interested in is how it infiltrates churches and it becomes dominant to uh, God's word. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's dominant to everything, right? It's, it's the, yeah. it's the sacred text when, when it, when convergence happens, it's the sacred text, you know um, something since we're, we're trying to be, by the way, I would like to start be this. I'm just going to say this to the audience. Generally, you and I have already talked about it. I'd like to start like intentionally looking for some positive news. I don't want to always be the channel. That's that, what I did like, today. I know. I know. <laughs> which, is why, which is why I'm I'm saying it to everyone. Like, I don't want to always be the channel that's just like, everything sucks. Just, you know, blah, 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 blah. Like, that, yeah, there's a lot going on. But uh, yes. And by the way, Douglas Murray, absolutely. Uh, I want to get him on the show. I want to read his book first, which I haven't gotten around to because I don't like, I hate when people interview authors about their books and they haven't, and they haven't read, them. read it yeah I, I can't stand it's, that so i'm not gonna be one of those people i'm gonna read the book and frankly he's very popular right now so he's probably focused on people with larger audiences if it takes me a month to read the book maybe he'll be available in a month well <laughs> and also people recommend people to us all the time and it really helps uh what helps more than recommending them to us is if you recommend us to them because yeah. because we have a it, recommending them to us they're bit, they have a much bigger following, but if you recommend this little channel to them, that's more, you, that's more, that's really helpful. Cause then they, they have heard about it from someone other than us when we ask. Yeah, that is, that is super helpful. Um, um, I would love to talk to them too. And yeah, agree after, after we've read the book, can I just tell you, by the way, I don't know if people, how many times, cause I used to represent, again, I represented comedians and my, my partner represented like uh, musicians and, and some Olympic swimmers and, um, we used to get blurb requests where you, you blurb a book, right? That's where that's where the person either writes a forward for a book or writes a blurb on the back about how amazing the book is. Can I right. tell you how many of those are fake? That the people who write blurbs a lot of the time, you would be shocked to know how many of them haven't read the book that they're blurbing. It's just, you got to read the book. It's, I, it's fraudulent. <laughs> about about Carrie, about a year and a half ago, I won't name the book because it it's out. Uh, but about a year and a half ago, I had someone from the, I'll say, uh, small government community uh, <laughs> reach out and ask me to write a blurb for their book. And I made the mistake of reading it. And uh, I'm glad I didn't write the blurb because my intention, I liked the person and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. And yeah. I almost was like, I like read the first chapter and I'm like, ah, I could probably just write a blurb now. And I didn't. And I ended up reading the book and um it was a piece of shit, actually. And so I, I just never responded. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's this is this whole thing about see little a little decision like that. It that that gets to that to Peterson's whole point about, um, you know, always tell the truth or at least don't lie. And I it makes it makes things uncomfortable sometimes, because if you have to tell a friend, I can't write that blurb for you or whatever. It's really uncomfortable, but it's better than yes. lying and saying this book's awesome. And then what does your word mean? Right now it's nothing because other people are going to look at it and like, Oh, he liked that book or whatever. Or she liked that book. Yeah. Um, one, one positive, I had an, I had a positive experience last night, but it wasn't just, um, it wasn't just one instance, which is why I want to bring it up. It was a, I've seen this repeatedly 
in the Bay Area. Um, and this is specifically in the Chinese community, which I realize makes it sound pretty small, but it's that's a hell of a big community in the Bay Area. Um, they, in general, are extremely open to the ideas that you and I talk about. They are, sometimes there's some nuance with like, well, I have friends in Hong Kong and I don't like, you know, blah, 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 that's happening. But when they, when we talk about the culture war and individualism and, and what's happening to the U.S. and the radical left authoritarians, by and large, they're not woke. They, they get it. And that to me is really fascinating that we've got, you know, these are people from a completely disparate culture who have uh, come to the U.S., or at least to come to California, most of the context I have. And I feel like I'm surrounded in the Bay Area by a bunch of, you know, radical Marxists, and I've got to be careful. And, but in that community, um, it's amazing how receptive, like, it, and it keeps happening and it happened again last night. And with the reason I'm bringing it up is it, it keeps happening. It happens a lot. So I don't know if there's any hope there, but maybe, um, maybe there's pockets of communities that we don't realize are actually quite receptive to American ideas. They just need to hear them. Um, so. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of, uh, faith in legal immigrants because you you have to go through a whole rigmarole to come here <laughs> legally and and you have to really want to and you have to you have to learn a lot and who's that guy the immigrant who wrote the essay uh that was sort it was an open letter to Tanahisi Coates and it was excellent and it was from an immigrant a black immigrant's point of view I don't remember who it was but I remember the letter you're talking about it was it was Amazing. And I think, I think that sentiment I've, I've actually, yes, I've seen that sentiment a lot in the immigrant community. Yeah. Um, they cherish, and, and they're some of the most anti-illegal immigrant people I know because they came here legally. That's the other thing. And I think, I, I think a lot of people, this is something that uh, I don't think the left is counting on. A lot of people assume that the entire Latino community is anti-Trump because of his stance on immigration. But uh, a lot of them that are here legally don't, they don't want more illegal immigration. And um, some of the, some of the most interesting communities actually, I think are immigrants from countries who are full on communist or socialist um, because they escaped. So that's why like the Cuban immigrant community is fascinating, right? Cause they like, they, their radar is highly tuned to <laughs> Marxist rhetoric. And they're like, I don't want any of that crap. <laughs> like that's, that's what I escaped. Don't bring that yeah. here. Um, so those are, those are quite interesting. Um, there's actually, uh, uh, Fleckus talks, which is another great YouTube channel. You guys are probably aware of Fleckus. He goes down to Hollywood a lot and interviews people at protests and stuff. And it's, it's really funny because he manages to get a lot of, um, Latino immigrant, like legal immigrants on camera talking against illegal immigration. And it, I just always imagine that that must blow the woke left's mind because <laughs> they can't, they just view being it's it, it, the goalposts have shifted to such a degree that, you know, you used to have just, just within four or five years ago, you had Democrats talking about, um, you know, trying to curb illegal immigration. And now suddenly they don't talk about that anymore. They, they try and conflate the two things, illegal and legal. 
um, which didn't used to happen. And but so now that's become so prevalent that it went to see th th they've they've also pushed this narrative that it's like racist white people who are against uh, who are against illegal immigration. And, and so then to see Latino immigrants who are adamantly opposed to illegal immigration, it's like SGW is like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Carrie, I did think of one other thing I wanted to bring up this week, and I'm glad that I, I'm glad that we let the show go because I really wanted to talk about this. Um, did you see Jack's announcement about Twitter and political ads? Sorry, I was muted again. Yes, I did, and I, I think that's really interesting. What do you think about it? Uh, I, to me, there's two motivating factors behind it. This is my high level. It's, it's, it's a complex, I mean, you could probably analyze it forever, but I think one of the motivating factors is, is just fear. He watched Zuckerberg and get, he watched the Zuckerberg testimony. What was it this week or last week? Uh, and he was like, uh, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want to get yelled at for having to police political ads. Like screw that. No political ads. So I think that could be part of it. Absolutely. But I think there's a, I think there's a more nefarious part. I think it's very clear that the Trump campaign was more effective at using online ads and social media and particularly Twitter to get their message out. And um, I think if you were going to, if you sat down and said, who benefits from this? I don't think it's Trump. I think it's I think it's the woke left because Twitter can still manipulate your timeline. They they can manipulate your Twitter feed pretty well. So they can control the conversation, but they can't control the ads as much. And if they do control the ad, they don't want to control the ads because that will open a whole Pandora's box for like similar to the arguments about that that Facebook had had to uh, deal with. So they can can but they can control what's in your Twitter feed. They can ban Mike Harlow so he can't talk about Trump. They can, yes. they can ban they can ban people that go against the ideology, which they do. So they can control that. But ads are a little bit less, you know, easy to control, and it levels the playing field because as long as you have a dollar, you can buy an ad, right? No matter who you are. Um, and they don't want, and they can't really censor those ads because they'll get in trouble if they're like banning Trump ads only, right? They'll get in trouble, so they can't do that. But they can ban all ads, and that hurts Trump more than it hurts. But somebody, I I can't remember who it is, so forgive me. But somebody on Twitter pointed out this. This is, you're right. This is a net uh, a net positive for woke SJW leftism because they're going to ban political ads, right? Well, what are the chances? What about issue ads? What about an ad? Claims issue ads also banned. No, but listen, but but hear me out. They are obviously going to say if it's a pro life ad, they're going to say that's political. But what about an ad that's like, hey, this is about women's reproductive health. Now, is that political? Right. They'll claim that it's about reproductive health. Yeah, yes. they may do that. They may do that. So, and they do this already. They pretend like uh, the, the left, um, their side or whatever you want to call their side, they pretend like that's not political. That's This is just, uh, they, they're already pretty good at, at couching their politics in like, this is real life and this is helping people. And then- and then the the stuff on the right, they're really good at saying that's political. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like By the way, knit fragility, mm -hmm. awesome knit fragility just said, like Gillette ads. Exactly. That's my <laughs> point. 
That's totally my point. Yeah. So imagine a world where, or imagine a Twitter where, and this is what we're going to see, they're going to ban issue-specific ads that are conservative in nature, that are more conservative in, in nature, or that are on the right. And they're going to they're going to allow Gillette ads and they're going to allow what the whole proliferation. We did a whole um, video on woke ads. If you guys haven't seen it, there's a there's a ton of woke advertising now. They're going to allow all of that. Right. Right. Because it's not issue specific, but it is culture war stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and Gillette or whoever or, or Playtex or whatever the company is they're like, this isn't a this isn't a, a political ad. This is an ad for razors. Really? You never said a. You never said a, a damn thing about a razor the, the whole time. <laughs> right. Wait, one guy had shaving cream on his face, I think. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't, I mean, someone in chat was saying that they think it's net positive for Trump because Trump has a lot of uh, Twitter followers and can use it effectively. Yeah, but he can do that and do that. Like, he can do that he, already. He can do that anyway. So. Yeah, it's that's he gets that. That's and, why they're doing this is because that that can already happen. So how can they hurt? How can they make a dent? Well, let's get rid of political ads, which is mostly going to hurt the ads on the right. And I say this as someone on the left, although these days it doesn't really matter left or right. You're, I'm, you're an alt right Nazi carry on. Have you? Right, not, I'm more aligned with the the right when it comes to culture lately. So actually, I was in Taya, who's one of our um, viewers and has a has a YouTube channel. You guys should go check out her channel. It's Taya Smith. Uh, uh, I talked to her a couple of days ago and she was asking me about the whole spectrum thing. Like, do you ever, do you ever take what they say to heart? Do you think that you're on the right now? And I'm like, no, I don't. And, and, but she helped me draw a, a distinction. It's because yes, I've become more conservative in some ways, but it's in personal ways. It's in like, uh, ways that govern my own behavior or, or, or at least in ways that I think I should behave the ideal that I should live up to. I've become more conservative in behavior that I should and shouldn't engage in. I've become more conservative, but my, a lot of my policy views are still liberal. Most of my policy views are still liberal. So. Well, I, one thing that you guys got into a little bit on that show, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I, I did watch some of it. Um, and, and by the way, yes, Andrew Thompson, and I do love that Michael Malice quote. Conservatism is just progressivism doing the speed limit. Um, but uh, one of the things you guys did get into in the show, which, you know, um, I think I'm, this is another positive sign as someone who's been very attuned to uh, the, the libertarian spectrum for a long time. Um, I'm seeing non-libertarian normies, I'll call like, I'm not, I don't, I don't mean that derogatorily, uh, like, like you're not a libertarian type person. Like, you're a normie from the libertarian perspective. You're not in that world, right? Um, but I saw both you and Taya talking about, uh, well, the real spectrum seems to be this like authoritarian versus libertarian. Like that seems to be the battle that's happening right now. And that's absolutely correct. I do think that is the battle. It's it's more government, less government knob that people are turning. It's like more authoritarian overlords or fewer authoritarian overlords with less power. Like that's the knob. That's kind of, if you want to like grand, like in a very high level, look at the political spectrum. That's what it is, which I think is why people are, you know, when you when you want to when you don't want to turn that knob up to 11 for like woke authoritarianism, people are like, oh, you must be alt right because like they've, <laughs> they've inflated the left with with authoritarianism at this point. Yeah, they don't and they don't get the authoritarian leftists or the ones who the ones who are um, who are NPCs on, in that camp without being 
maybe not being authoritarians themselves, but are propping it up and supporting it. They've come to believe that authoritarianism is right wing and they don't understand authoritarianism. If you think that's the case, authoritarianism can be on the right or the left. And that's how, that's how so many people get the wool pulled over their eyes. I think on the left, um, two things I saw in the chat, uh, knit fragility and Barrow both mentioned our friend, Mike Harlow. And yes, finally there's, he's getting more traction on a bigger scale. Uh, Huckabee talked about him in an episode, Mike Huckabee about his banning. And then uh, uh, Brandon Strzok from the walk away campaign, his friend, Brandon tweeted about it again and Dinesh D'Souza picked it up. And so he's getting a lot more traction on it. And I, Hey, I thought we should do this thing for each video. We should do like a, a, a running ticker. I forgot to do it at the start of the video, but just be like at the date, like, hello, today is, is uh, what is today? Friday, November 1st <laughs> and day 15 of Mike Harlow being permanently banned. From oh yeah, that'll be fun. We should do that. <laughs> Um, and I, you know, I'd like to figure out another way to support him. We just don't have a lot of crap. I mean, we could retweet some stuff, but, um, all we can do is have him on the show and talk, which we've, we've done and we can do some more of, but, um, yeah, yeah. Keep talking uh, about it. Day 15. Okay. Oh, should we wrap it up soon? Oh, sorry. Andrew Thompson said like, you don't mean you're coming on normies derogatorily, but it sounds like you did. Yeah. There might've been a little bit of. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I should not mean it derogatorily, but it did sound that way a little bit. I apologize. Uh, yeah, but by, by our razors, knit fragility. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the best. We have a great Gillette ad. For those of you who are new, who have missed our Gillette ad, it was by far, I think still is, the most popular video we ever did. Uh, <laughs> was a very crappy it's like <laughs> poorly produced it's not very good it was like at the very beginning and uh we made this we made this stupid uh parody ad let me see if i can find it and post it in chat but if you haven't seen it i think it's still the most popular we had someone recently who maybe like the, i know the megan murphy video was very popular but i'm pretty sure that like two minute, it might even be under two minutes. Parody ad is still. Uh, you know what the second most popular video was actually? I think what? was the interview with Maria. I think the number one video oh, is the yes, Gillette ad. Right. Yeah. And then the interview with Maria. Yeah. Which is great. Oh, well, okay. We'll end on an encouraging note. I know you're looking for that link. So I'll, I want to end on this. This was on my list of encouraging things. But yeah, by the way, that it is the most popular. I just found it. But yeah. So Boss and Mama. And a couple of other people I've been talking to, uh, there, there is, I know I mentioned it before, but there's something changing in the knitting world. Like people are starting to speak up. If you're in the Instagram world watching it happen. So I, I'm not really in that world now. I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not a knitter, but I'm, I'm following all these posts oh, now. Have hat. I have a hat that someone gave me, um, but I'm following all the posts now and it's really positive. There are people who are pushing back. And they're not afraid of the magic words anymore. And they're using reason and they're staying calm and they're not engaging in um, name calling. And they're, they're, look, the best thing you can do, don't yell at people like I did Carter. Carter's a friend. I can do that. Uh, the best thing you can do in these online arguments is to, look, you can be aggressive. I'm aggressive with bullies, totally online. But I also try and not engage in behavior that I, that would make me a hypocrite. So I don't just go like, you're a moron or <laughs> like whatever, <laughs> you know, I'll try to back up what I say. And, 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 and people are doing that and they're um, 
it's really inspiring to see. And there, and I, I think if you can see one community that's like that, that's maybe the tide is turning in that community, maybe it's representative again of the whole, maybe all of society, the tide is starting to turn. And maybe this ideology is in the beginning of its death throes, hopefully. Yep. Don't rain on that parade, Carter. <laughs> I'm joking. I know no. you're not. <laughs> no, I, I, I like it. By the way, speaking of Maria, who's in chat? Awesome. I love that Maria is like part of the community regularly now. Um, if you haven't watched our interview with Maria, go watch it. Um, she's doing a, man, I got to look up the details, but I want to advertise this because I want you to have support, Maria. I want people to show up and support you. So I got to look through my email because you, you sent it. Okay. So she's meeting at Cafe Fior in Ballard, Seattle on Sunday, November 10th from 1 to 4 p.m. This is this is the day of yarn revolution, but Maria is uh, uh, PNG'd from the <laughs> yarn revolution. In fact, probably more than just persona non grata, she's, she's uh, most, most wanted. There's probably a poster of you, Maria, with a wanted dead or alive uh, <laughs> reward on it for you showing up. So um, instead of going there, she's gonna have a meetup. So, um, awesome. There's a Facebook group that you can find here. I'll post the link. Okay. So somebody says in chat, uh, there's a lot of the knitters talking now and they're weighing in and they're like, yes, people are starting to fight back. And, and Maria pointed out that, um, yarn revolution, uh, removed one of the posts she criticized. That's the thing. If you push back, they end up deleting all their crazy content anyway, because they either have to delete your comments and block you, or they have to delete the post itself because they can't argue back. They don't know how to argue back and they can't engage with reason. There was one knitter I was DMing with who she said uh, uh, she got blocked by this professional SJW for uh, pointing out her hypocrisy about projection. And it, and I was like, you realize the reason that you got blocked was, was because you used reason and she can't engage with reason. And she was like, yeah, I, I totally get that. And I mean, people are getting, they're getting it and they're, they're arguing and they're, I think it's super cool. Um, and also, wait, wait, one other quick thing. Somebody said, who said this? What? Knitters are, oh, Wombat of Doom 53 says, knitters are dangerous because we have pointy sticks and we know how to use them. <laughs> but I, I think there's a, like there's like a movie here. There's a book here. There's something here where it's like uh, Western civilization on the brink of destruction and it's the knitters. Do you know what I mean? It's like the knitters who bring who bring us back from the brink. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, uh, I do think I do think there could at least be a comedy movie in the the knitters saving the world, the knitter apocalypse. The oh, knitter Elizabeth. Apocalypse. Yeah, the knitter apocalypse. Elizabeth. I, hi. I'm sorry. I'm responding. I didn't realize that was you. I'm starting to learn people's names versus their uh, Instagram names. Oh. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, no, Andrew, it's not whole house automatic yet. I gotta because that's takes that's that'll take longer to install and do, but at least it's big enough that I can run the computer and have internet. But whole house automatic is next on the list for generators. Um, because if you live in California, you need to be self-sufficient. Pretty soon we'll all have mini Gen 4 nuclear reactors in our backyards because we don't trust any of the utilities. Um Carrie, what was the what was the stuff you do? I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but there there is some like still arguments going on with April Harder stuff with you. I mean, you just mentioned it, but. Oh, well, yeah. So Elizabeth 
tagged me in something where she was talking crap about us. That's the funny thing. She's a coward. She won't come here and, and say anything on our, she did post <laughs> her, her link. That's true. Um, but she, uh, she said this on someone else's post a couple of days ago, I guess. And um, did you want me to read it or? I just think it's interesting because because this was just for those who don't know, this was the woman who um, she watched our interview with Maria Tuscan and she misrepresented what we said at um, the beginning. She, she did a response uh, video and although I guess it was just mostly audio. And uh, in the response, she misrepresented what was said. She said that uh, uh, we called people of that- color racist, not SJW is racist, which is a, yeah. I understand that they're both three letter acronyms. Things. As if that's so- a good, oh, I thought you meant the other, I thought you, oh, SJW, I had the wrong letters. <laughs> right, yeah, get it. <laughs> but uh but then she built an entire argument based on that accused us of being basically next to nazi on the white supremacist scale that she made up um and but then then actually went into the big thing about how uh rabid sjw criticism is not the way to convince people and we're secretly uh white supremacists maybe we don't even know it yet or maybe we kind of know it but we, we can be saved but only if you pay here 1995 and get this special <laughs> automatic comes with it if you order now um you know you have to well, buy her well, services so if people to, care. Un- un- or to woke yourself i guess yeah well so there are a couple there was another person in the knitting world uh who i was talking with about it and she's i was like look you're i think you just put too much much faith in people's good intent because she's she's just a professional SJW. She, she makes money off the ideology and she believes all the same things they do. She's just saying, let's change our methods a bit. She's like, a, uh, like when I was an SJW, I, I talk about the carrot and the stick. I was the carrot, like the stick would come in and, and call people names and be, and really in your face. And then I would come in and be like, Oh, maybe you didn't see how you were, you know, uh, I would, well, let me ease you into the brainwashing. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Although I didn't charge for it, but the, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. I was the kind face of, <laughs> of indoctrination. <laughs> um, but so, uh, yeah, so she commented and said, uh, talking about our, our channel, uh, I recently lectured on this unconscious race on the unconscious racism exhibited by this YouTube channel. It was concerning to see how they have no curiosity or humility <laughs> yeah. in exploring the ways in which a white supremacist society has uh, has or has not influenced their psychology what can i say this is what keeps racism alive and well <laughs> Actually, they have no curiosity to pay me my 1995 plus we'll throw in a set of ginsu popio slice of nice yeah i mean yeah well she's okay, basically so- selling her services and it's sad that we are not interested in her you know snake oil crap but by the way wait carrie doesn't need to be curious carrie did this for 20 years april bitch Carrie hey, knows. Hey, this. hey, 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 no, Carter. Sorry. Yeah, Witch? take that back. It's still Halloween. Which? No, I just don't like that. It's like that's like giving into the worst impulses. I, I hear you, but yeah, I know, but I you know what? No, but then it, t- it just just all right, all right, I'll me. calm down. You this, yelled before. Let me just calm down. Yeah, but I didn't call somebody who's disagreeing with us a name like that. Okay. She's calling but, us a white supremacist. I'm pretty sure I know. I know. I'm just saying, you know, that quote about okay, like, she's not a bitch. She is a Ooh. Nazi. Okay. Carter, can we, 
Are we going to end with you and me fighting again? Really? <laughs> fun. I do kind of like fighting, but I'll I don't. I'll, can can we just please end on a positive note? Okay. Okay. You are giving her too much power by even getting upset. Like, I don't get upset at this at all. I get upset at you because I, I have a lot of respect for you. <laughs> you know what? Andrew, and, Andrew pointed out the truth about me. Just He said, you're overprotective of Carrie. That's true. Oh, well, okay. Well, that might be it. But I'm anyway. Overprotective of you, I will, I will not. Well, this doesn't bother me at all. Like, because, again, because it's just, I don't know, it's smoke and mirrors. And I, I don't have, like, again, people saw at the beginning of the episode, Carter bothers me. <laughs> <laughs> Carter can make me say, Carter can make me call him a name. No, I'm kidding. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so here's what I said. Because, because again, this woman, this is, she just, she hasn't said anything about, uh, actually quoted anything about our channel at all that I know of. So I said, uh, you've not once addressed anything we said or provided any argumentation or reasoning for your hateful accusations and name calling. Surely you can come up with one example of racism from our channel if you're going to be so loud about it in an attempt to make money. Just one. Just one. Could you come up with one? Instead, you chose to lie and claim that we said that people of color are racist. We did not. We said that SJWs are racist. Their race doesn't matter a bit. Here, I'll give you an example of racism from your own mouth. You advocate treating people differently on the basis of race and not asking someone where they are from if they are not white. You encourage people to view everyone by race first, not as individuals, and for white people to treat people who are not white differently on the basis of race alone. That's racist. Talk about keeping racism alive and well. And the fact that you do it under the guise of ending racism is what makes it evil. So... Did she respond to this? Oh, I don't know. I haven't. But but uh, that's my point about like, no, I don't think she did. You <laughs> you you don't have to. If I had just said, not that you said this to her, not that you would have, but if I had just been like, you bitch, <laughs> that doesn't do anything, <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't help people who are looking to see uh, how you respond to stuff like that. So that's my only point. But I I look third. I, you know my stance on calling people who are in the public eye like third party people names i don't really have a problem with it i guess this just doesn't feel so much like third party public eye to me because it's we're having a back and forth sort of i'm just calling her behind her back to you oh come on (laughs) just to the just in this live video (laughs) (laughs) look i do think she's i think people who make money (laughs) off of spreading vile ideology are bad people so um and you and i sometimes disagree with that about intent and blah 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 i don't know where you stand on april but um I don't have a problem calling out people for being horrible people. And sometimes swear words are used to describe horrible people, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got, I got some toxic masculinity going on according to Andrew, which is <laughs> probably true. Uh, but in a good way. Um, you need to give me 1995 and I can help relieve you of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be relieved of it. You know what? <laughs> that that's, it's the, it's the last defense against the, the commie takeover. Um, you know, you pointed out something. Can I just underscore something that you said earlier? Because I, I, uh, I'm not. You said this, but I want to make it clear to people because it's a really good point. Um, if you if you know that you've effectively argued against the an SJW, not to the extent where they change their minds, but to the extent where they've been embarrassed publicly when they delete their posts, and you can get them to delete their posts. You can get like you earnestly 
do a good job, not, not calling them a bitch, right? Not going crazy, like making the good arguments consistently. Uh, sometime, a lot of times they will, because they can, it's seen publicly and they're, they're shamed, they're shamed into being so wrong publicly and being so bad. They just delete the whole thing. Cause they, they're all about, uh, just, you know, deleting reality that's inconvenient for them. So they're just like, ah, oh, that doesn't happen. Yes, Andrew, warming up the helicopter. I need to get my helicopter license for when that day comes. But that's a little dark humor. And for those of you who don't know what it is, we should probably not explain it. Oh, gosh, that's very dark humor. You're going to get us in trouble. <laughs> I know what that means. Okay. Okay, sir. Um, I Well, we started this episode with I was wearing i think you the were shoppers on the pad in the back i gotta go carrie no 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 <laughs> helicopter rides to give <laughs> okay we were both wearing grumpy pants at the beginning of the episode <laughs> all right i know i know you were <laughs> so was i yeah well we had a conversation be- beforehand yeah. uh where we, we revealed our grumpy pants. but this has been good and i thank you guys for helping us achieve a bit of levity it's and, been a fun show yeah. yeah it's been a fun show i i really like the community i hope everybody can join us for book club um sunday november 17th we're reading the coddling of the american mind and i think yeah we'll probably we should do even without a vote maybe we should do the you know we are the dictators of this space so <laughs> if we want to read coddling of the american mind and then douglas murray's book the madness of crowds that's what we're gonna do um but we did put it to a vote so we're reading coddling first but we might not put it to a vote next time sorry uh you might have to read madness of crowds if you want to join Oh, um, and uh, I got to see Nicole of the Mountain People recently. Who came? Are you? You guys know because she was on video. And then I got to see Spock's mom. It's oh, been cool. Mom also. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the uh, who's who of the credits of Unsafe Space. Yeah. <laughs> you guys come through Texas. <laughs> yes. Uh, don't bother to come through California. We have no power. So. All right. Thanks, everyone. Um, we will see you next week, and uh, I don't know what else to say. I, lo- you know what, I I will say this. Carrie and I had a conversation beforehand about our audience, sort of, and um, I really, uh, I really like the quality of our audience. And there's nothing is uh, nothing represents that better than both these chats and um, and the book club stuff. So thank you guys for being awesome, challenging us. Uh, I've been right sometimes, but I'm wrong often. And a lot of times you guys will call me out on it and it's great. And uh, just uh, appreciate, I appreciate everyone here. And I'm looking forward to what you guys have to say about coddling of the American mind. It should be a fun chat. All right. With that, I won't get too sappy. Um, All right. Have a good one, everyone. Bye guys.